a very rare occasion to get introduced by Pastor Tim Gentle. And he was nice to me, so I better be nice, right? Um, but I will say this. We'll, uh, we'll, what, I want, what I was going to pl- not plan on doing, but I just thought about as I adjust the pulpit here is I don't get to do this very often and, and speak while Pastor Tim is in, in, in the audience. Very, a lot of pressure today. A lot of pressure. But, um, but I don't also get to do this, and we don't get to do this enough. And let's just say, if you appreciate Pastor Tim, let's just say thank you right now. Yep. I, got, I have the mic today, all right? Yes, yes. So, uh, so... Let's, uh, let's just, uh, real quick, let me, let me just break this into two segments. I, I do want to tell you, because so many of you, I'm, I'm looking around at people who are in the ministry with us, the ministry of Inspire Sports Camps with us, people that were there this summer, people that supported and sponsored campers to be there this summer, people that are actively engaged. And I always say this, we are in this together. This was an exciting summer of Inspire Sports Camps, a very exciting summer. Yes, there was, there was actually 639 campers at camp this summer. Um, it was our biggest summer ever. There was 160 summer staff volunteers from across the country that came in and served, um, and then countless other daily volunteers that came in, and everyone who stepped on camp this summer, lives were impacted, okay? That's what it's all about. I I wrote this in one of the um, term reports. Inspire Sports Camps is a mission field disguised as a camp program, okay? that's, That's what it is. It is an mission field. One of my speakers uh, called me up. Actually, I called him up to confirm. I said, hey, and we bring in a different guest speaker every night. They come in. They lay out a different aspect of the gospel. And I, I called him and I said, I said, hey, bro, you know, you're ready to come on, on Thursday. He says, yeah, I'm ready. I said, you're coming to an active mission field. And when I say act, some, you know, there are, there's always action going on at camp, but some weeks are very action-packed, okay? And, and Jim and Estella know it. They check them in on day one, right? When they get off the bus, they could tell what kind of week it's going to be for me right then and there. Um, and, you know, some of these weeks is, is light a match and watch it boom, okay? And, uh, and, and some of these weeks is, you know, you're, you're, you're on it. What can happen next around here? And that, that's legitimately happened, has happened on some of the weeks and de- definitely happened on, on one of our weeks this summer. It, it, it's very, very volatile. It's, it, there's a lot going on. You're bringing in on any given week about 170 inner city kids from all five boroughs in New York City, from Newark, from Patterson, from Passaic, from uh, Philly, from all over, Poughkeepsie, Scranton, and, and you're bringing them all together, okay? And you can't expect behavior change on day one, day two, day three, or even day four, for that matter. You can't expect that. So we're not there for behavior change. We're there for Jesus Christ impacting lives, okay? So cause, because we're not there for behavior change, you don't get behavior change, Okay? You just can't, you know, we're not there to, to, to mold six days of good behavior and then go off and do your own thing. No, come in here and get your world rocked by Jesus. That's what it's all about. And then go home, set a foundation in him, and let the rest of your life for eternity be changed, okay? So we're not about behavior change, okay? So there's, there's, there's 
four-letter words. There's fights. There's all kinds of things that happen at camp all the time, some weeks more than others. But then, as the week goes on, you watch young people surrender their lives to Jesus. And that's what it's all about. And we got a chance to see that happen this summer in a big-time, big-time way. And you're a part of that, and I say thank you. So it's about setting your foundation in Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Will you guys pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for what you've done this summer at camp. And I got to share about, it's all about you, Lord. And Lord, you're doing the same thing here this morning in our lives. You want, you want to talk to, you want to speak to us. You want to meet us here today. We pray that you do that. That you speak through your word, that you encourage us and challenge us where we're at. Praise in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now while I, while I just uh, buzz through this intro, open up to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we're going to start at verse 46, okay? Now, some of you are, um, you know, you've been doing home projects, okay? You've been doing home projects and you've been doing, getting things done at your house. And I, I, we, we like to talk about this. There's certain guys in this church that always, you know, give me an update on home projects and, you know, tell me what's new and this and that. And, and it's, it's, it's always something fun, all right? There's a, there's a patio going in or there's a kitchen project or, you know, bunk beds being built or something, right? Where it's really, hey, that's really, that's really cool. And you want to show it off and you want to show people and it's, it's really fun. And, and, you know, We've, we've, uh, home projects are awesome, but rarely, I don't think ever, have I ever heard anyone say, hey, Kurt, I can't wait to show you about this home project we just did. Remediation on our foundation. It was amazing. And, and, you know, we don't show off. We don't show off foundational type stuff. We don't, you know, in fact, the, the, the most important part of the house often gets ignored unseen, ignored, and overlooked until there's a problem, okay? But we focus on the home. We focus on the fun stuff, and that's what we show off, and that's what we like to, you know, in fact, there's been entire, there's been entire TV stations created off of this fun stuff, okay? Where you, you, got, you, know, you, you put on uh, the home network or, you know, the home decorating channel or whatever it's called, and you, you get on there, and you're watching guys do fun stuff to houses, right? And, and you know, on social media, and we've got a few Sunday schoolers in here today, you're going to notice, maybe, you know, you got goals, all right? Hashtag goals, hashtag, right? And sometimes on social media, they go home goals, right? And when you see anyone that says home goals or house goals, you know you're getting an outlandish picture of some mansion somewhere that is like never going to be attained, something that you can't attain. You're like, this is a goal, man. This is what I want. Or this, you know, and realtors use it and everything like that. But they're showcasing things on the exterior. They're showcasing things on the outside. Today, we want to talk about something that gets overlooked. We want to talk about the foundation. And we want to talk about house goals, okay? And, and to do that, we're going to look at a passage called the wise and foolish builders. The wise and foolish builders. So let, let's read together here, verse six, uh, chapter 6, 46 of Luke. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. 
When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it, because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Okay, wise and foolish builders here in Luke. Not, not an uncommon passage if you've gone through the Gospels, but we see here that this, is, this comes at the end of what is referred to by scholars as the Sermon on the Plain or the Sermon on the Plateau. Some, some believe that it's just a different record of the Sermon on the Mount, but from Matthew 5, but the difference in the text and in the audience lead most to believe that this is a totally different address that Jesus was giving. And, and, and it was given at a different time to a different audience of people. The sermon on the plain or the plateau here. What do we know about it? The sermon begins with blessings and woes or warnings, commands about loving enemies and judging others. It describes our actions that proved the posture of our heart, and then it closes with an extremely relevant analogy that we just read. And, and, and you know, in sermons, we like to close, I don't think Jesus was any different, with a strong point or something that people would remember. And I think this is a memorable illustration and something that we can learn a lot about. The, the one thing that we can't argue here is Jesus is speaking from a position of authority. He's not dancing around tough topics, and there is a distinction being made in this passage. You're either wise or you're foolish. Wise or foolish. And that is important to know, that he's making this distinction. So, it starts in verse 46 with Lord, Lord. And Lord just simply means master. It's a sincere term of authority. Repeating it only strengthens its meaning. But I really, as I read this and I thought about this, and as I thought about the audience that he was speaking to, I thought about what was his actual tone in the way he was saying this. How was he actually saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Like, what what was he actually saying to this crowd? Basically, as I look at it, I think he might be questioning. I think he might be wondering, what are you really doing here right now. You know there were some chasing him for miracles. You know there were some showing up uh, to trip him up or to catch him. And you know that there were some that were just part of the crowd. Hey, there's a lot of people over there. Let me go follow them. Um, and, and, and I'm going to ask the same thing this morning to us. What are you doing here today? See, that, 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 that's a very important question because we say, Lord, Lord, we sing, Lord, Lord, but do we sincerely give him that position in our lives of Lord? And that makes all the difference. And it makes all the difference in what we're going to study today. It makes all the difference in our foundation of faith. Where do we put Jesus? Do we recognize his authority Do we recognize the lack of our own authority? And what do we truly believe about him? You see, when you give him that authority of Lord, Lord in your life, and you mean it, and you believe it, the thing that happens next 
is unbelievable. You get all of his power back. You give it to him. You give him all of your minuscule power. And he gives you all of his by recognizing his authority. It starts there. Now, sometimes we don't start there. And we just move forward without really believing Lord, Lord in our lives. And then we get burnt. And then we get tired. And then we sputter along. And you might be there this morning where you said, hey, listen, I, at one point I was believing it. But I need a reminder. I need to actually apply this where I believe that he has the authority and I don't. I've been trying to control way too much. And he starts by saying, hey guys, Lord, Lord, you're saying it, do you believe it? What, do you, what are you actually doing here right now? Verse 47, as for any, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. Now this is the difference between someone who just hears and says... And actually goes the next step and puts and shows and puts them into practice. Come to me shows a willingness that you want to know. Here's my words shows that you're ready to know. Putting them into practice shows that you're believing it. You're believing it. Second Timothy. 3, 16 and 17, we all notice, says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, when you hear it and you understand it, it solicits a response if you actually believe it. You hear the word of God and you're taught something. You're, 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 you're told to, you're, there's reproof, there's some change of action, there's correction, or there's training that you're applying in your lives. Something is being applied and we're putting it into practice. The NASV, I'm reading from the NIV this morning, but the NASV says, act accordingly. Same thing as practice. The NLT says, obey. Same thing as practice. It takes practice. And you guys know that I'm no stranger to the athletic field and practice. And you knew you weren't getting away today without at least one sports analogy. All right, so... What is practice? Well, I'll tell you this. Any athlete I've ever coached, you know, will, will go out there and practice is really, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get them to repeat something over and over and over again so that it becomes natural when it's time to perform and it becomes natural in the game. That is what practice really is. But here's the thing about practice. Practice for most athletes is not the fun part, okay? It's not fun. So if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to put this into practice, it's going to be great. No, it's not going to be very fun. You're going to go out there and you're going to have to learn some things the hard way. You might even have to get someone yelling at you, telling you to do it over and over again. You're going to get some, you're going to have to put this into practice and it's not always a fun experience when you put things into practice. And also on the practice field, I, I, I have to say this, 
there is a lot of mistakes. Okay, so, so we, uh, and, and I see this with young adults, and I talk to young adults all the time, and I, and I got this, this, as I talk to them, this thinking that if I'm making mistakes, how could I really be serving God? All right, and, and, and as, I, as, I, as I talk to them through this, and as I, as I mentor a couple guys through this, I have to remind them over and over again, and maybe this reminder is applicable this morning, it's not about perfection, it's about practice. You're not called to perfection this side of eternity. You're called to trust Him. And he just be... Listen, as you trust Him, you will learn to act accordingly. You will learn to obey. You'll learn to practice in a purposeful manner. It's not about perfection right now. Each summer, I get, I get an amazing front row view, as, as I just described, at Inspire Sports Games, of people of all ages saying, I'm going to put my faith into practice. Okay? And I'm going to tell you, it's not a fun experience. It, you know, the staff training, they all, they all leave staff training. Woo! Let's go! Can't wait! Get those buses here! Get those kids here! Night number one comes, and, and these kids are going bonkers, all right? Off the wall, lights out, and, and running up and down, you know, just, just, what did I sign up for here? And, 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 and the love of Christ takes on a whole new meaning for a cabin counselor on night number one, okay? A whole new meaning as kids are going buck wild. And they got to, they got to practice every aspect of love. Peace, joy, patience in order to win them over. Because it doesn't matter how much Bible knowledge they have. If they're not loving this kid, nothing's going to happen that week. Okay? So they've got to learn to practice how to love some wild kids. And that, that, I get a front row view. Now, we're practicing all the time, aren't we? We're, in fact, we're practicing right now. Did you know you're in practice right now this morning? Did you know that church is practice? Wait a minute, Kurt. I thought I was performing this morning. Well, if you're performing, you know, stop performing, all right? In fact, you're, you're practicing right now because the game is out there. Okay? The game is in your relationships. The game is in your finances. The game is in your mentality. The game is in how you treat others. The game is outside these walls. We are practicing this morning, understanding the truth and applying it so that we can go perform out there. And then he gives an example, real-life example that anyone of any time period would understand. Two men building houses. A lot of building going on these days. We can certainly understand it. One, as it says here, they're like a man building a house. One dug down deep, all right? And then the other one, hey, they didn't do it. So one does the work, right? Verse 48. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came and the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. The one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Could have looked beautiful, no foundation. 
One does the work, the torrent, which is a torrent is um, floodwaters after a, after, after a, after a you know, big rainstorm. Floodwaters that slam against the, uh, that come out of nowhere. They're rapid moving. The heavy rain produced fast moving flood that slams through anything in its path. Do you guys remember seeing the, in June, um, in Montana at, at Yellowstone, those, those crazy floods that went through there actually closed down the national parks. And, and you, you, you remember that one clip where that, that house was sitting on the side of the river and it just, just, you guys had someone just yelling, it's gonna go! And it did, and it fell into the river and, the whole entire house stayed intact and it was traveling down the river like a boat. Do you remember that scene? That, 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 scene is, that scene is what this is talking about. It doesn't matter how nice the house is if it's floating down a river. It's extremely violent and destructive water that sweeps through and causes destruction. One does the work and one doesn't. And when the torrent struck, complete destruction. Not, not if, by the way. When. Some of you guys know about the whens. Some of you are in the when right now. You got torrents blowing through your life right now. Torrents of water raging. How's the foundation holding up? We can prepare for the when ahead of time. I called my builder friend in preparation for this message. He actually builds multi-million dollar houses all across North Jersey. Very, very well-known builder. And I asked him, Hey, can you tell me a little bit about, I'm, I'm doing this message, Luke 6, going to be talking about foundations. You can tell me a little bit about what that takes here in New Jersey. I thought it was interesting, so I'm going to share some of it with you right now. I asked him, so what do you do first? And he laughed. He says, first? Kurt, first we dig. Duh. I mean, like, so, so basically each of these mansions, each of these monstrosities that he builds starts with a giant hole. Okay? And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get down to solid rock. Okay, that, that's really the goal. And in New Jersey, by the way, getting down to solid rock uh, is, and if we, if we were going interactive, I'd, I'd ask you, but I'm not going to ask you, I'm just telling you, it, it's seven feet. You've got to get down seven feet to build a proper foundation in this north, northern New Jersey area. Okay, and, and they're trying to get the solid rock. So the first thing you've got to do is, is dig and get the solid rock. And that solid rock is the what that they build on. But we're not looking for a what in our lives. We're looking for a who. And the who is Jesus Christ. So we've got to get to solid rock and put our faith on him and in him. And that is what we're looking for, is to be on solid rock. And it is a who. And it starts with a response to him. It starts with a sincere, let me go back to the front, Lord, Lord, recognition of his authority. Recognition of ourself and recognition of him. But it still requires digging in order for you to have a strong foundation. Most foundations, like I said, require seven feet of digging. 
they would dig out all kinds of unstable soil. And as you continue to build your faith in Christ and build your life in him, it's going to require some digging. And there's all kinds of soil and sand and compost and bad fill that we have to also remove from our lives, isn't there? So let me ask you this morning, as you continue to set your foundation in Jesus, what might need to be dug out? What do you have to remove from your life in order to keep your foundation strong in him? And this is not an exhaustive list. You can come up with your own. But I thought of one that I keep seeing over and over again that I think we need to dig out and dig out fast. And that is fear. That is fear. That, that, is, that, is, at, that is letting our fear drive our lives instead of letting our faith in him take precedence. And Hebrews 13.6, this is Paul borrowing from David, says, So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? There are all kinds of fears everywhere that want to grab us and want to direct us and want to really ruin us. There's, and then there's some other fears which we don't even think of as fear. Where we gotta, we, gotta let our, we gotta get out of the way of this. Fear of commitment. Fear of failure. Fear of moving forward. And then I get to, to some of my young adult friends again and I, and I, uh, and I get FOMO. You guys know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. Okay? And they just want to be where the action is, right? I got to go there. And no, 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 no. Wait, wait, no. I got to go there. Wait, I can't commit here because I got to go there. And, and they have no idea how to commit to anything in life because they don't want to miss out on anything. And it makes their worlds just scattered. Instead of having direction, instead of having purpose, they're just bouncing everywhere. So fear of missing out is actually taking them away from some of the stuff that God has for them. Okay, we got to get rid of fears in our lives. We got to get rid of distractions in our lives. We got to get rid of procrastinations in our lives. We got to get rid of excuses in our lives. And you can come up with any other thing that you got to dig out in order to set your strong foundation in Him. That's a list that you can make up on your own. Sometimes before you get to that seven feet, you got to get rid of this unstable soil. you got to get rid of some of this, this compost and bad fill. And then sometimes when you get there, you realize, whoa, I got it, I got it like 90% level here. I got, it like, I got it like almost all the way ready to start pouring this foundation. But I got this little area over here that's still soft. And this is what Bruce told me about that. It's real. There's sometimes they get down to seven feet and it's almost ready. But they say, you know what? Once we get there, we realize that there's still some unstable area. And we got to take an area there and we got to get, we got to bring some fill and put it back in with gravel or stone or something to compact it down and make that foundation solid. So not only do we have to remove things, we also sometimes have to fill it back in in order to have a strong foundation in Christ. So what might you today not only have to remove, what might you have to fill in? And there, this is, once again, a personal list.
I can give you suggestions. I can give you things that are my, my areas that I need to fill in or do a better job with. But, you know, we all know we have to be in our word. We have to pray. We have to worship. We have, we have to practice contentment in our lives. I mean, you can come up with the, the number one thing for you. But I think one of the things that is a, a game changer for a lot of people that they should fill in. And I think in this North Jersey area, it's very, very important because I think the number one thing in this North Jersey area is we're all self-centered people. And we all got eyes on ourselves almost all the time. Okay? And we're, we're looking out for us. But the only, the only antidote to looking out for yourself and being selfish is to start looking out for others. Start getting yourself, your eyes off yourself and say, you know what, what can I do for someone else? And that comes in all different forms of service, whatever it might be. But here's the amazing thing that happens when you fill in your life with a little bit of service. Your problems start looking a little, lot more minor when you start filling in your life with other people's problems and start trying to help them. And it changes your perspective wildly when you start saying, hey, it's not about me right now. Let me help this person. So I think one of the things we could do to fill in is to find a way to serve other people and help them. In rare cases, after you dig and after you fill where you got to get fill, you're still not ready. My buddy the builder said that I'll still get there. I'll fill in and I'll still, I won't be satisfied with that seven foot hole because it's not 100, 100% safe, and I will not build on something that's not 100% safe. He's putting $5 million houses on these holes. He wants it to be right. He wants it to be safe. He wants these people to enjoy a house that is done the right way, okay? And he says, sometimes when I get to that point, I need to evaluate and say, this one's out of my hands, I got to call in an expert. And I don't know if you knew this, because I certainly didn't, but there is a such thing as a soil expert. Okay, and it's, it's called a soil engineer. That's an actual position. There's a person that evaluates, comes in, you're, the soil engineer comes in and evaluates foundation holes and says, hey, this is ready, this is not ready, this is what you got to do. And they take a look at it and they give their expert opinion on the situation and he's had to do this he said multiple times where I got I did everything I could on my own and then I had to bring in an expert to tell me what I needed to do to build in this spot and guys sometimes you dig sometimes you fill and then sometimes you get to a point where you say I need an expert I need someone else's perspective in my life to help me out and I think we've all been there at some point so I would encourage you, find some experts. Now, they do not have to be professionals. They don't have to be soil engineers, but they have to provide a perspective that is not afraid to challenge you. Not afraid to say to the builder, hey, you did a good job here, but you didn't do a good job here. Hey, you got to a great spot over here, but you didn't do what you are supposed to do here. Or we need to fix this. Do you have anyone in your life looking at you right now saying, you need to fix this? Are you inviting that into your world, that advice, that message, that friendship, 
that will take you where you're at and say, hey, what you're doing right now, I know you. That's not okay. Do, are you inviting that in? See, when you're a builder looking to do things the right way, you invite in expert advice. But oftentimes, we just stay closed off. We stay closed off and say, hey, I got this on my own. I'm going to try to do it. Hopefully, it works out. Hopefully, the foundation doesn't crumble. It's going to be okay. We don't bring in the expert. Experts come in all different forms. They come in pastors. They come in friends. They come in counselors. They come in all different forms. But it's someone given an outside perspective that knows you in your world. That's what an expert is. After you dig, after you do all that, you dig, you fill, you find an expert if you need it. You are there, man. You're, you're 12 feet uh, deep. You're, 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 you're uh, it's rather, 7 feet deep, and you get to go around this perimeter. You get to pour the concrete. And, and now, now, for all, now, after that happens and everything's done right, and this, this builder said, the last thing is as we pour this, the slab, we pour the footings, we pour all this stuff, here's what ends up happening if it's done right. Your foundation becomes part of that solid rock. That solid rock in your foundation, there's really no delineation any longer. It's all the same. And guys, when you build your foundation in Jesus, you become one with him. That's how it works. We want to build our life in him. So, so as we walk out there, as we go to game time, there's no distinction between us and the way Christ might treat others. That only happens when you follow this, when you give full authority to him where you trust him with what's got to be dug out, what's got to be filled in, what's got to be, you know, where, where can I do some repairs, and you're trusting him along the way, and you're saying, Lord, you do it, not me. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to just go through the motions here. And guys, here's the amazing thing as I close, and I, I want to get to this, is Luke is so good to us here. We close out, talks about the two builders. He talks about the, 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 way, to, the, the way to have a, a proper foundation here and build on solid rock. And then he's so good to us. And I'm going to paraphrase this, but I would encourage you guys. This is one of my favorite encounters in the Gospels that comes after this. And I don't think it's an accident, but it's the faith of the centurion. The faith of the centurion comes, and you know what we see is that this centurion had a deathly ill servant, a deathly ill slave. Okay, and I'm going to paraphrase the first five, but this, this Roman centurion was deeply concerned about his slave who was dying, who was obviously in his life more than a slave, more than someone that meant a lot to him. And, and what we know about this, the centurions in general, and what we know about this centurion is really interesting. Centurions were, gen, general, were Gentiles. They were, they were brought up in pagan upbringings and in a worldly culture. This was a Roman soldier stationed in Palestine. He was looking to enforce the law, the emperor's rule, and keep the Jews in check. He had a leadership post over hundreds of soldiers, and for all these reasons, he should have been in direct conflict with the Jews that he was ruling over. 
They, they should have had a mutual disgust for one another. But we know something as we read this passage. This guy was different. This guy wasn't letting culture set his path. In fact, he had compassion for a slave. You see this in verse 1 through 5. He had a love for the Jewish people. And he was given, even given credit for building their synagogue. Why in the world would a Roman centurion do that? He must have had some fear of the Lord in his life. Must have. It's the only answer. He was also a man of character who was revered. Most centurions were not seen in this light, but revered by those who were there. And then I'm going to read this part and we'll close here. Verse 6 through 8. So he heard, Jesus heard about the sick slave. Jesus went with them, and he was not far off from the house when the centurion sent friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell you this, go. And he goes. And that one, come. And he comes. I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. This centurion understood authority. He understood the power that he had. But what he understood more was that his power was nothing in comparison to Jesus. Just say the word. Don't even come. Just say the word. You want to talk about foundational faith? You're watching it played out, and a guy, for all intents and purposes, should have been an enemy of God. Just say the word. It's the exact opposite of the way that Jesus addressed this crowd by saying, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Questioning why they even called him Lord, Lord. And this guy, who's not one of God's chosen people, is saying, just say the word. This humble recognition of Christ's authority caused him to be amazed. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, turned to the crowd following him, maybe some of the same crowd, and said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who sent him, then he had, then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Final takeaways, and I'm going to invite the um, team up for communion. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with Christ for a long time or you're coming from a pagan culture. It doesn't matter who you are, 
what your upbringing was, how long you've spent in church, anyone can build their faith on the rock of Jesus Christ. The foundation of the rock, the foundation in Christ, is always revealed by a torrent, by a storm followed by a flash flood. For this centurion, it was his slave and good friend dying. And it revealed his faith. Just say the word. I ask you today, as we go to the Lord, what is holding you back from setting your foundation in him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. We ask right now as we come to you, that we all evaluate, Lord, where we're putting our foundation. And Lord, may we put it in you. We praise in your name. In Jesus' name, amen.